In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, in today's gospel, our Lord uses the image of slavery. No man can serve two masters. In the gospel of St. Luke, it reads, no servant can serve two masters. And the reason why you cannot be a slave to two different masters is because a single master has total ownership over you. This is the law of having a slave. When, when a master has a slave, he possesses that slave. He has a claim to the entire service of his slave, and so the slave has no room to give himself over to anyone else. So the situation that our Lord speaks about is not the situation of jobs today. You can get a job where you work 40 hours, for instance, during the day, um, but that still leaves you free to take another job if you want. If you can take another job and, and work in the evening, you know, something they, they, they call moonlighting. You can moonlight as well, get a second job and, and work in the evening because you're not in the relationship of a, of a slave to your employer. And this is not the way it is with a master. A master has ownership over the slave 24-7. And what we must understand, it's so important for us to understand that we as, as human beings who are fallen um, is this, that no man can have no master. There's this illusion today in our modern world that we can somehow as human beings achieve a total and utter independence from all authority that we can reach a state where we do not have to give service in any way to anybody, that we are autonomous people units, doing our own thing, living in our own reality. But this is all an illusion. It's absolutely impossible. There are only two choices for a human being in this life. You are either going to serve God, or you're going to serve sin. One or the other. It's either God or the devil. There is no third option for human beings in this life. You can't reach a state of independence where you're not serving anything. So, our Lord wants to emphasize in this gospel the importance that we attach ourselves to God rather than sin. And he brings up an example of what it's like to be a slave to sin. He speaks about the slavery of avarice. There are certain people who are absolutely consumed with the desire of possessing money and possessing external things, material goods. They are under the impression that money will satisfy them, money will give them the absolute happiness that they are seeking, uh, money will make them wholly independent and free. But in fact, it's the opposite. Money enslaves people. And this kind of slavery is a very, very terrible slavery. Consider the miser. This type that has always existed and always will exist until the end of the world. The miser creates for himself, by his love of money, a desire that can never be satisfied. And there's no slavery worse, there's no misery worse than having such a desire. A desire such that you're always going after it. And as soon as you 
satisfied to a certain degree, it only creates a greater desire. So you're always chasing after the fulfillment of this desire, and the only success you have is, is making yourself more desirous of the thing. It's like the carrot in the, uh, uh, on the stick with the donkey. You know, he's always chasing after the closer he gets. It's, it's, it's like the desire increases, but it's more unsatisfied the more it's, it's, it's uh, fulfilled. So it's like having a master for whom you are forever working, but he's never happy with what you do. St. John Chrysostom, in one of his very, very powerful sermons, many powerful sermons, one of the greatest preachers in the history of the church, he speaks at length about this terrible situation of a miser being enslaved to money. So I'm just going to quote from this doctor of the church, a long quote, because he depicts this slavery so graphically. He says, He that is greedy of gain will never be eased of that desire, not only because it is impossible for him to obtain all men's goods, but also because whatever he may have obtained, he counts himself to have nothing. But the despiser of riches will deem it all superfluous and will not have to punish his soul with endless desires. I say punish, for nothing so completely answers the definition of punishment as desire deprived of gratification. Look at it this way. He that lusts after riches and has increased his store, he is the sort of person to feel as if he had nothing. I ask then, what is more complicated than this disease? And the strange thing is that although he possesses many things, he thinks he does not have the very things which are in his hold. And he bewails himself as though he had them not. If he even got all men's goods, his pain is but the greater. Should he gain a hundred talents, he is vexed that he has not received a thousand. And if he receives a thousand, he is stung to the quick that it is not ten thousand. And if he received ten thousand, he utterly bemoans himself because it is not ten times as much. And the acquisition of more to him becomes so much more poverty. For the more he receives, so much the more he desires. So then, the more he receives, the more he becomes poor. Since whoso de desires more is more truly poor. When then he has a hundred talents, is he not very poor? For he desires a thousand. When he has got a thousand, then he yet becomes poor. For it is no longer a thousand as before, but ten thousand that he professes himself to want. This is the description of the miser given by St. John Chrysostom. And it's a graphic example of the slavery of sin. Where someone is consumed with the desire, and the more he satisfies the desire, the less that desire is quenched, but rather the more that desire is increased. And so the more beholden he is to that master. And this master is always exacting a greater and greater desire the more the desire is fulfilled. This is the way it works with all material things. This is the kind of master material things are over us. Creatures, material creatures. The more we have of them, and the more we desire them, the more unhappy we are. The bigger the desire, 
the, the less ability we have to answer that desire. So we keep chasing after these material goods, we increase the desire, and we also increase the inability to satisfy that desire. So we're just more and more unhappy. Whereas with spiritual things, it's exactly the opposite. The more you possess of spiritual things, the more happy you are, the, the more your desire is satisfied. And you just go from being happier to happier to happier to, until you finally reach heaven where you get what you want, a perfect satisfaction of happiness for all eternity. So the gain of spiritual goods is the satisfaction of real desire, while the gain of material goods is, is not a satisfaction of a desire. It's only an increase of desire without the ability to satisfy that desire. This is the difference between a hard master and a likable master. A hard master um, is one who is not interested in making you happy. He does not give you satisfaction. No matter what you do, you cannot please him. Whereas a likable master, when you do things, he... Uh, gives you a reward that truly satisfies you and makes you content. The second thing is that we have to notice that our Lord points out is the difference between the service of the two masters. That if you uh, bind yourself, enslave yourself to one master, you're going to hate the other master. And what we find with people is that the more they're um, engaged in a sinful vice such as the love of money, such as the love of sensual pleasure, what have you, the more they hate, they tend to hate religion and God. Because the master of vice is opposed to having God as your master. If you're, you're loving fornication, or you're, you're loving drugs, or you're loving uh, money, or what have you, pleasure, honor, glory, fame, wickedness, then you're not going to like religion because religion will condemn everything that you're doing. You're going to hate God. You're going to know in your conscience that you're doing wrong. Whereas if you are loving God, you're serving God, and you're seeking to, to do what He wants, then you're not going to have any regard for material things. You're going to despise material things. You're going to despise the world. You're going to despise the flesh, the devil, and all those things. You're going to say, I don't want to have anything to do with them. In the end, the reality of vice is this. Mortal sin makes us slaves to some creature from which we hope to find our ultimate happiness. It's delivering ourselves bound hand and foot over to the creature. Sin is a slavery because it binds us to something that destroys us. Something that works against our good. We're bound to something that... Um, ends up working against our own interests. And that is a true slavery. In other words, we're working totally for this master and we're not getting anything back. This is the kind of slavery is such that we continually seek happiness from our servitude and are never able to find it. As a result, we are anxious, we are tired, we are unsatisfied, and we just become more and more miserable. In other words, the master of vice makes us take the whole burden of our happiness upon ourselves. It doesn't satisfy our burden of, of seeking for happiness. And so we have to 
continually find new ways to find our happiness because our, our master is just not giving it to us. The slavery of sin all, almost always involves the indulgence of our lower passions and the enslavement of our mind and will. So our, our lower passions, the, the lower part of our being, the passions of fear, desire, love, hate, anger, and so on, they're continually being stimulated. They're continually rising up. And what they do is they, they rise up above the, the, the higher faculties and they take them over. They take over our mind and our will, our power to think and our power to choose so that we no longer have freedom in our highest faculties, our power to, to make good judgments, um, our, our power to choose what's best for ourselves. These passions that we have are, are passions that we share with the animals. Animals also have passions. They're, they're part of our bodily faculties. And what happens is someone who's, who's driven by passions is driven by outside influences. Just as an animal has to respond to the stimuli that they receive from outside of them, so too a person who's addicted, uh, to, enslaved to their passions, is just being moved by the influences around them. They've lost control over their own lives. So the, the person who's a slave to sin is a slave to things outside of him, and he decides what is true and good on the basis of those things. He's no longer able to think and choose for himself. Whereas someone who has kept his mind and his will free and is able to push down those passions has true freedom, is really able to say, what is the best decision for, for my own good, and let's do that, instead of being influenced by those lower passions. So we are given the option in this life to enslave ourselves to sin. We have that, quote-unquote, freedom to destroy ourselves. And if we choose this option and we persevere in our choice, then we will remain in that state for all eternity. In other words, God will give us what we want. If that's what we want, if we want this slavery to sin, God will say, well, that's the way you will continue for all eternity. You will be in this state, in hell, enslaved to your passions forever. In other words, having no ability to think and choose for yourself. Now, by the fault of our first parents, as you know, we are born into this state of slavery, and when we come into the world, we are under the dominion of sin and in bondage to the devil. We are born into this world as slaves to sin and the devil. Our lives are out of control and they're headed for destruction unless we are set free. But this freedom is not gained easily. We can only be set free by subjecting ourselves to God. That's the only way, because they say there's no third option. It's one or the other. We're either a slave to, to sin and the devil, or we're subject to God. And the problem is, the wounds of sin make us want to rebel against God. We don't want to be subject to God. We don't want to surrender ourselves to what is our real good and our real happiness. That's the terrible plight we find ourselves in this life. We're always being convinced that sin is our best interest, when it in fact destroys us. So, what did God do for us? God tried very hard to convince us to subject ourselves to Him and give ourselves over to our true good by becoming 
a slave. This is the language of St. Paul. This is what St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, that our Lord took on the form of a slave. He took on a human nature. And to rescue us from our slavery, our Lord placed himself in a state of total submission like to that of a slave. Um, During his life, he constantly professes his total subjection to the will of the Father, starting with the first words when when he was conceived in the womb, as St. Paul says in Hebrews. Our Lord placed himself in a state of total dependence on his mother for a period of 30 years, totally subject to his mother in the hidden life. And he dies the death of a slave, which is crucifixion, as if he was helpless before the violence of his enemies. So the shackles of the slavery of sin were broken by our Lord's life of total subjection. And from the time of our Lord's redemptive act, we are offered this freedom of Christ. We are offered the ability to have dominion over sin, to have dominion over these passions which are pushing us towards our destruction. And we accept this freedom when we are baptized. Um, We, at that time, make our baptismal vows. That's the time when we commit ourselves to crossing over to that other side. We say we don't want to be slaves anymore of sin and the devil. And instead, we, we, we reject the devil, his works, and his palms, and instead, we subject ourselves to God. We give ourselves over to the service of God, and we commit ourselves to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, and our whole strength. So, when we are baptized, we switch sides, and we commit ourselves to try to live as our Lord lives to imitate the life of Christ. If our Lord's life was one of dependence and subjection to the will of the Father, so must ours be. It was not a slavery to sin, which is a slavery of unwillingness. It's a slavery of violence. Sin does violence to us. It rips us apart. It tears us apart. It makes us disordered. It makes us incomplete as as human beings. The slavery to God is a slavery that is voluntary. It's a slavery that is loving. As I say, the more we give ourselves over to the service of God, the happier we are, the more uh, satisfied we are with with what we're doing in in our life, the more meaning our life has. And this is really the the type of master that, that God is. He's a master who... The more you serve, the more you love to serve him, the, the, the happier you are in, in serving him. When we give ourselves over to this total service of God, there is a sort of paradox that's in play because slavery to God is complete freedom for a human being because one who serves God is in total control of himself. As I say, one who has the grace of Christ is able to push down, continually keep in their proper position the passions, the lower faculties um, that, that are just running wild. Fear, anger, hate, desire. All these things are able to be kept under control. So we're not 
acting against reason anymore. Our mind is free to know the truth. Our will is free to choose the good. We're not swayed by gold or pleasure or fame or glory to, to deviate ourselves and seek something that's not going to, to satisfy ourselves. We're free to choose and do what's best for ourselves rather than being driven to destroy ourselves. And God himself takes charge of our happiness. He can do this because he made us. Because he made us, he knows how to make us happy. So we don't have to create a happiness for ourselves. We don't have to look around everywhere desperately searching for happiness. We can just rest in the happiness which is the service of God and be truly fulfilled in our lives. This is why our Lord says that his yoke is sweet and his burden is light. Slavery to God gives freedom, independence, perfection, and fulfillment. It gives us life itself. Whereas slavery to sin gives servitude to the world, the flesh, and the devil, it gives dependence on our passions and so weakness. We're debilitated as human beings. It gives us dissatisfaction and destruction. It gives us death. So my dear faithful, St. Louis de Montfort remarks to us that every Christian before his baptism was the slave of the devil, seeing that he belonged to him. He has in his baptism by his own mouth or by his sponsors solemnly renounced Satan, his pomps and his works, and he has taken Jesus Christ for his master and sovereign Lord to depend upon him in the quality of a slave of love. This is the choice that we have made as Catholics to commit ourselves to this life of living in dependence on our Lord and in service to him. And today, on this Sunday, we must have this great desire of renewing the vows of our baptism, renewing our commitment to this way of life, renewing our desire to seek that freedom which only Christ can give us. We have to strive every single day with the grace of Christ to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. We must not let them gain power over us. Because that is when everything is lost. But rather, we must push aside all obsession and anxiety about things over which we do not have control. We must try to quiet the passions when they rise up. We must call upon the grace of God when we feel ourselves being swayed by these irrational movements, whether it be lust, anger, desire, hate, whatever it may be. These things cannot satisfy us. When we indulge these passions in this way, we make ourselves miserable. Our Lady lived this subjection to God in the highest way possible. As you, as you know, she referred to herself twice as the slave of God, as, as the handmaid of God. At the Annunciation and the Visitation, she refers to herself as the handmaid of God. And so we, we must turn to her frequently in our struggles against sin in this life, asking her to teach us how to give ourselves over to God completely. No servant can serve two masters. We either serve the devil or we serve our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no third option. 
We must no longer hop between one side and the other during our lives. Rather, we must commit ourselves generously and gladly to our Lord Jesus Christ in our body, in our mind, in our soul, and in our strength. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.